1: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I'm Michelle Kwan. In 1996, the world was in the midst of a massive cultural movement that saw women finally taking center stage. Nowhere was this shift more apparent than at the 1996 Summer Olympics in Atlanta. This audience was the loudest thing I have ever heard in my life. The noise, everybody's cheering, and we see all these USA flags. It was the most important summer in women's sports history, and team after team after team, the U.S. women kept winning. Basketball, soccer, softball, gymnastics. I just said, give me mine. Like, give me mine. Join me for Dear Media's Summer of Gold, presented by TOGETHER. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. I had this like moment where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so much cooler than my body. And I truly didn't feel that way my entire life. I like developed very young, like puberty wise. So all through school and stuff, like people would compliment me on my body. So this became a part of like my identity. And I think I didn't really get to like understand who I was a lot because of it. And going through this, I had to realize that like, this is a vessel. Like I will get old and I will not have the same body forever. And that's fine because it's not meant to be the coolest thing about me.
0: Hey everybody. And welcome to RealPod. I'm Victoria Garrick, former D1 athlete and mental health and body image advocate. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you awesome guests, weekly inspiration, and the realest conversations around everything and anything. Now let's get real. Welcome back to real Pod, everyone. I hope this podcast is finding you. Well, I'm so excited for today's episode because one of my Instagram besties is here. You know, when you meet someone on social media or you DM or you follow each other and you just like literally have a friend romance, I feel like that's what happened with me and Kylie. I just love this girl. I think she's so radiant and so cute and just so special. Kylie is a photographer and influencer whose fashion, comedy, and photography content has amassed her over 350,000 followers across social media. Here's the catch though if you look at Kylie's Instagram, which you should check it out, it's beautiful. She is such an artiste. Yes, I just said artiste because I feel like artist, you know, doesn't really do justice to the incredible work that she does. But while her job is to create these portraits and these photographs that are perfectly posed and carefully curated, she's also a human, right? She's just like us. And, and Kylie has had experiences with body image, with food, with overcoming eating disorder. And I think it's really powerful to hear these things from someone who online looks like they might have it all together. So this episode is really going to be proof that regardless of what you see on social media, you never know what someone is going through. I can't wait for you all to hear this conversation today with Kylie. Before we get started, I want to give a shout out to Haya, who left a five-star review that says, love the realness. Hello, Vic. I listen to your podcast every week and the realness is amazing. Thank you for putting a smile on my face. Real Pod makes me realize how we should always feel grateful for our minds and bodies. Haya, thank you so much. And I honestly, I love this feedback because that is truly what I'm hoping to bring every single week, especially with episodes like this one, that emphasis on how important it is to appreciate and have compassion for our bodies and ourselves because navigating all this stuff can be so hard. So hey, thank you again for leaving this review. I really, really appreciate it. And thank you to each and every one of you who listen to RealPod every single week. If you want to take the time to leave a rating and review on iTunes, it would just mean so much to me to read that feedback. It really helps out the show and you just might be the shout out on next week's episode. All right, without further ado, we're gonna dive into this episode on overcoming fear foods, recovering from binge eating and opening up to your significant other about your eating disorder with the one and only, the beautiful Kylie Kadich. I'm literally dead looking at both of us with our primrose mirrors. You're the only reason I got mine. <laughs> Stop
1: it. Do you mean it? I was just idolizing actually the
0: behind you, the cutest sign. It's
1: like, you're doing, what does it say? You're doing it's, great, bitch. I yeah, love it says that. you're doing great, bitch. So I just,
0: I need that when I walk into my office in the morning, because some days I walk in, no, you and do. I, I'm just feeling so negative. I'm so in my head, or maybe I'm not motivated. I just need that slap across the face in cute, bubbly red letters.
1: You absolutely do. It's also adorable to think of you ever not being positive because I feel like you are like my source for positivity. And I feel like so many other women's source for positivity. So that's like adorable to so think of you not being positive because I swear to you, you're not positive is like me at my high. Like you're just, you radiate so much good energy.
0: I was literally going to say the same thing to you because as I was prepping for this, I was looking at everything and I was like, she's always so adorable. She's always got this great energy. And I was going to ask you how you stay positive. And I guess this might be something you can relate to, but I obviously, I get told often, you know, I'm positive and I'm and I'm happy and outgoing, but I know that that's not always the case. You know, like we know what we're like offline, not to say I'm putting on a front But it's very rare that when I'm in a crummy mood, I'm going to grab my phone and put up like 10 Instagram stories. So then people end up seeing this best version of me. So then I have this like internal conflict of, well, who's the real me? And I hate this version of myself. And would they like me if they knew about my negative days? You know, do you feel that way?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think about that all the time because you're right. We only show it feels a lot more natural to show times when you're feeling good. Like, I can't think of a time where I was feeling crappy, where I had like the mental energy to like post about it. I'm like busy trying to get myself out of that, that I don't even have the ability to go ahead and step out of that and video myself or post something. And I think about it a lot. Like, I'm like, when people tell me I have a perfect relationship or something, I'm like, you should have seen the fight we got in last night. Like, (laughs) you should have seen, like, it's hilarious that people will think that, but Yeah. It does feel like it disconnects sometimes, but I think everyone feels
0: it. Yeah. And that's hilarious because I also was like, her and Alex are literally so freaking cute. And of course I like want all the deets there, but something else that you just brought up, which is so fascinating to me is I think in general people, normal people try to curate like a very perfect, beautiful feed because they're self-conscious or they want to portray that life online. Whereas your situation is interesting because that's art to you. That's your creativity. That's your job, you know, and you're not doing it for the wrong reasons. You're doing it because you have this eye where you can think of these colors and these poses and these scenes that elicit some type of feeling for the viewer. And it's, it's beautiful. And that's why, like, I love following your page, but do you ever feel this weird disconnect or like it is so perfect? all the time and it actually feels so
1: good to hear you say that because it makes me feel like this like she gets it like you know I feel like I've tried to bring some like myself by like I try not to wear makeup on my story and like I try not to like be like only showing like really picturesque things all the time like I, I try to remind people like What you see on my feed is purposeful because that is my passion and I touch every part of it. And I like pretty photography and it's not because I like only seeing myself pretty. I'm actually very comfortable seeing myself not looking perfect. And I've had to like learn how to do that, but I'm really proud to be able to be like, no, I'm actually comfortable with that. I don't mind not wearing makeup or not being in this certain thing. But when it comes to like my art, there is a certain aesthetic that I love to see, and it's, it's not even about the way I look. Like, sometimes I'll even ask friends, I'm like, you pick out your favorites of me, because if I were to pick out the favorites all the time, it would be about, like, a certain way I look, and I genuinely want it to be about the art, and not just about the certain side of my face I like more, or the certain, like, positioning. It's building, like, a painting almost, where there's so many elements to it, where it's not just a pretty face. But I, I do often think like, oh my gosh, do people think like I have to be perfect all the time and I'm like striving to be this like perfect robot girl. But at the same time, I'm like, but it also feels weird to, to not do that because I love it so much that, yeah. So it feels good to know that you understand that it's it's art. It's not necessarily real life. And I try to make that clear with people through like stories and video. Yeah, you can see that it's an art form.
0: It is. It is a hundred percent. And I feel like that is the biggest difference between what you do and like what I used to do that sent me down a dark path was like, what you do is art. It There are so many things involved in it. You have this eye and this ability to create something that's special and, you know, stands for so much more than like what some person might see when they just look at it once. Whereas, you know, you, you look at someone like me back when I first got obsessed with Instagram or just, you know, a handful of girls these days who it it doesn't bring them joy, but they feel like if they're anything but perfect online, they won't be accepted or they won't be good enough. And it's almost like it's fueled by this fear of being revealed or this fear of not being enough. And I think that's a major difference between a curated feed from me my freshman year versus the beautifully curated feed that you work to put out, if that makes sense.
1: I completely agree because I know the difference. Having been in it myself, it sounds so silly, but even just giving people the power to pick the good photos versus me picking them has helped me step out of it even more by removing that Making me an element of the photo sometimes isn't good because I shouldn't really be looking at what my face might look like in that, but more of like the imagery in a total sense. And so that's why I love having people pick favorites because I know what it's like to nitpick yourself. I think a lot of people can relate to that experience, especially if you're looking at photos of yourself all day. That's human. It's so easy for me to be like, don't like that, don't like that, don't like that. But it used to be toxic. I wanted to post on Instagram and I was way, 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 way more concerned about what I looked like. And I didn't care about anything else. I don't care what's behind me. I don't <laughs> care if there's yeah. 10,000 people. Like, I don't care if my friend has their eye closed. Like, I want to make sure I'm looking good. And that was where it was like, it toxic. And it didn't make me happy. Like, that was not fun.
0: Thanks for sharing that. And honestly, when we first got in touch, you had said, you know, I really relate to what you're posting around food and body image and and binge eating and, and intuitive eating. And, That was awesome. First of all, that you, you messaged me that, but I was taken aback because, you know, it's the irony of I post all the time, reminding people what you see online isn't always the full picture. Everyone is going through something, but then it's like, I see someone like you and I'm like, she's literally walking perfection. And then I'm once again, reminded that someone like you has struggled with food and struggled with their body. When did that start for you?
1: So that started for me when I was 18. I think it came with a lot of change in my life, like moving out of my home, starting college, feeling like I don't have a lot of friends anymore and I don't feel worthy and I want to be perfect. And it's the only way I'll make friends. It's the only way I'll be okay. And tons of anxiety came with it, which is something I still work through. But yeah, I went through episodes of binge eating. I went through episodes of not eating at all because I binge ate and I was so ashamed. And you were actually the first person that I had ever heard talk about binge eating disorder. I feel like I had seen people talk about anorexia, talk about feeling ashamed with eating, feeling food guilt, feeling. And so that I was like, okay, I'm not alone there. Never had I ever heard someone talk about binge eating. And I don't know why. I think it's a pretty embarrassing thing. I know it was very embarrassing for me. And I remember seeing your stuff and crying, like crying. It even makes me emotional right now because I felt like a weirdo for so long because I would do so many of the same things. Like it was so secretive. No one could ever know. It was always in the middle of the night, always. And hearing that someone else had the same experience was the most like all I can think is like a hug. Like it was the most I'm not a weirdo because I don't like talking about that to anybody because it's super shameful for me knowing that I had been eating disorder. And so to hear you talk about it and being the first person I've ever heard talk about it, I was like, wow, okay, this is what happened to me. It's not normal, but it happens and it's okay. It's really, it's okay.
0: It means the world for me to hear that because that is all I wanted because I remember feeling as alone and ashamed. There's something about the binge that, like literally when I try to think about why there's so much shame tied to it, at least for me and for a lot of people, I think it has something to do with like gluttony and that's a sin. Like we learned that in school and also just this idea of like having a lot on your plate. I always used to feel insecure, like if I had more food than my brother or a guy. And so I think the amount of food and- just the act of it wasn't cute. Like for some reason, starvation is glamorized, but overeating isn't. And so, yeah, I felt just as in the dark about it. And so, and actually it's funny because I was not comfortable sharing it at all. I did not really go into detail about it. I literally stood on stage, gave a Ted talk, talked about suicidal thoughts and didn't reveal that I had a binge eating disorder. Like that was too far for me. It was so embarrassing. But then it, I I did this one interview one time and I happened to sit down for like 45 minutes. They were going to take a two minute clip from this long interview to make like a social video. And so I'm sitting there with this interviewer and she's asking me about my body image issues in general, which I had kind of opened up about. But I start gaining trust with her. We're in this room with each other. I just start talking and I give all these sound bites about you know binge eating and and emotional eating and of course what do they take for the 2 minute video all of those clips and they put in Kylie yeah. you're going to die they put in b-roll of a hand reaching for french fries someone grabbing like 3 pieces of pizza i felt so like exploited i mean it wasn't even my hand reaching for these fries i'm picturing the most dramatic clip that they just wanted to like throw in there yes and and they had obviously they had clickbait intentions. They also had good intentions, but like, you know, I just remember feeling mortified. I did not want anyone to see this video. It was just mortified. And then of course, random people online found it. They started messaging me. And then I realized in the secrecy of my DMS and Facebook messages that there were hundreds of other girls like me. And so then that is what gave like me the initial courage to to share more, and it was almost like I always wonder if I wasn't pushed over the edge kind of against my will. would I have ever felt comfortable really detailing binging? because I know it's 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 a shameful act. I mean, it doesn't have to be, but it feels that way.
1: Absolutely it feels that way. I think there's a there's a reason it's in secret, and I know a lot of eating disorders are done in secret because eating disorders as an entire whole. there's a lot of shame attached to it. But yeah, there's something about binge eating that is just, I think, especially for females. I know it's true for males too, but um, I think women are taught like, you know, you don't eat as much as your brother or like, oh, you eat like a boy. Like that used to be like a slam. And so I think especially for women, it definitely made me feel um, unfeminine and definitely made me feel gluttonous is a great word that you brought up. (laughs) Yeah, that was definitely the most shameful of them all. And it always happened middle of the night very secretive. And then I'd feel like crap after. My brain couldn't understand that it was like, okay, you tried it and it didn't work. It was like, you just have to keep doing it.
0: Okay. So if you're like me, you get randomly panicked in like general situations because I was at a CVS the other day and I was at the front of the checkout line and I was digging through my fanny pack and I couldn't find cash. And I felt so pressured because there was someone behind me And I feel like I was taking too long. Yes, you know the struggle. Well, I have a solution for anyone like me who's tired of digging around in your bag to find money. Have no fear. There's no more need to struggle because now you can simply pull out your phone and use super easy touch free payments with PayPal and Venmo. Yes, PayPal and Venmo. You will never have to worry about finding your cash or card again. It's beautiful. And additionally, you get $10 cash back on your first in store QR code payment of $20 or more. So you're literally getting free money by just using PayPal and Venmo, which, if you're anything like me, you already use both of these on the daily. I use Venmo all the time to stay even and up to date on transactions with friends and family. And I use PayPal to pay all of the wonderful freelancers who help me. Create content every single week. So I truly could not function and make my payments if it were not for these two apps. So once again, stop the struggle of trying to find the card and pulling out the wrong one or looking for cash and spending all this time in your wallet because there are touch free payments with PayPal and Venmo. So to get $10 cash back on your first transaction of $20 or more, just head to your local CVS and pay using your PayPal or Venmo app. That's $10 cash back on your first purchase of $20 or more with the PayPal or Venmo app. So literally you guys, the next time you're spending over $20 at a CVS, use the PayPal or Venmo app and you will literally just get 10 bucks. It's amazing to see the terms and learn more about how to earn $10 cash back. You can go to paypal.com slash Once again, to learn more about this convenient and special offer, please head to paypal.com slash. Real Pod. That's RealPod. That's P A Y P A L dot com slash RealPod, R E A L P O D. So, what were the turning points for your journey? Because I know you have kind of told me that you feel like you're on your healing journey or you're kind of on another side of it where you feel like you have a healthy relationship with food in your body. So, when did you realize that there was something that needed healing?
1: Yeah. So, it was
0: after a binge episode.
1: So I'm in college and then I went through like two days where I think I allowed myself to eat one nature Valley bar like a day because I, I binged so bad like two days before. So I was like, I can eat nothing. Like you are disgusting. You ate this much. Like you now can only eat one nature Valley bar. And it was at 2 AM. I called my mom falling because I knew I was like, I need help. This is not normal. I know that I'm not disgusting, but I'm not well. And this isn't the right way I should be doing this. And she cried and I cried. And she was so amazing and helped me find a therapist right away. because She's so worried. Therapy really helped me get to where I needed to be. And medication. I took Lexapro and I'm still on a, a dose of Lexapro. So did
0: I. Lexapro. I always joke with Alex.
1: I'm like, we named our first baby Lexapro because she saved my life. Um, <laughs> like, Truly. No shame in medicine. It, it, I know that it helped me along with therapy, and I started really realizing, like, okay, what? Why am I doing this? This is obviously something, and it's not working. So why? Um, I hadn't tr- struggled for 18 years with body image or with eating, and so I'm like, why is this happening now? Kind of figured out some of those things that had happened to me that I I hadn't really dealt with, and I also, it sounds I'm not saying find hope in a man, but <laughs> Alex also really was the first man that ever just, he just loves me and he does not love me for the way I look at all. He actually is ridiculous. Like, whenever I'm like the ugliest, he's like, You have never looked better. And I'm like, (laughs) Why are you saying this now? But he truly having someone also that just really, I think that was the cherry on top. The therapy and medication is none of it could have happened without that. But it was also really amazing to then find someone that just really freaking loved me and not for the way I looked for the first time in my life. He didn't care at all about the way I looked. And that was really amazing. And it made me realize that I was really awesome without having to worry so much about what I was eating and all of that, like I was still awesome. So I think the trifecta of that really was healing.
0: And thank God he is the way he is because it can be super triggering to be working on your own body image issues and then be dating someone who's like, are you going to eat that? Or let's work out together and says things like that. I mean, I could never. So did you guys have a conversation? Because it sounds like you kind of went through this before you met him, right? It's like, did you have to like brief him and update him on kind of what you'd been through with food? What was that like? Because I've never really been able to have a discussion with someone on the show about their partner and how they support their past eating disorder. Yes. So when I
1: first met Alex, I was in therapy. I was on Lexpro, but I was still healing. Like, as you know, eating disorders, they're tricky. Like they don't just, I didn't just pop a Lexpro and be like, I am cured. Like it is, you work, you have to work and you have to want to be better. it, it It's work. It wasn't until probably like three months into our relationship when I just told him, I was like, I used to binge eat. Sometimes I'd throw up after, sometimes I wouldn't eat for days after. And sometimes I still get really scared of food. And these are the foods that are really scary to me. And I told him all my trigger foods. I was like, pizza is terrifying. Right now I can't have pizza. I will go eat any other dinner with you. But that one is just really scary to me. So I can. And he was like, okay, okay. <laughs> he was just like taking notes. He <laughs> was very respectful and asked questions that were thoughtful. And I was like, Oh, he, he like actually really cares. Like, it wasn't just like, cool. Like he was like, wow, I'm really sorry. So what would be a good thing for me to do? Like what? Um, and I knew he, he cared. And, and ever since then, it's been like, he's always just been my buddy through it. Like whenever I'm having a bad day, He's like, hey, what do you need from me right now? And I'm like, you're doing great. I just need to do me like I need it, you know. And luckily, things have been really good for years. Like two, three years now. Of course, there are times when a food might like trigger me again, and I have to remind myself, like, you're good. But I'm really proud to say my eating habits and uh like routines are so healthy again. And I truly, I am so Thankful for his support and my family and therapy and all that. But yeah, he handled it so well.
0: That is so great. And I'm not surprised. Just obviously seeing him on social media, he seems like such a gem and the biggest sweetheart. I'm so happy you have that support. And honestly, thank you for your transparency in the fear food department because that also can be tough to talk about. And I have, I think I have like one fear food that sometimes I even get scared to talk about it, but then I'm like, I can't even give it that much power, you know, like like I like openly talk about my fear foods because it
1: actually helps me. Like it kind of
0: holds me accountable,
1: but it also makes me feel like, Hey, just so you know, for whatever reason, I'm afraid of bagels right now. And I would love to go get breakfast with you because I don't want to skip a meal, but I just need you to respect that right now. I have a weird fear of bagels. And then it's like, okay, and then maybe in a week I try a bagel and it's like, okay, we're good. But it actually helps me to like vocalize that because I'm like, listen, I'm not saying I'm skipping a meal. I'm not saying I'm going to go eat 20, but I just need you to know that is like a triggering thing for me right now. I don't know why my brain is telling me this, but I can't do that one today. So can we do a different one?
0: And it's like, yeah, cool. That's another reason why communication is so important. Because could you imagine if you didn't express that to him, and he said, "Oh, let's go get bagel sandwiches this morning." I mean, you'd be miserable the whole time. It would send you on a spiral for the day. And I used to do that. I used to
1: have girlfriends. I'd be like, "Let's go out for pizza."
0: I do not know why pizza was
1: a, but it was. And I would truly have a panic attack before. Like, I'm sick. I can't go. I like avoid at all costs. But then when I went. Binge because I'm already here, so I might as well just go crazy. I can't just have like one slice, which is totally awesome. Maybe two, three, if I was hungry. But it was like, no, I had to eat an entire pizza until I was sick
0: because I was already there. And you can't even enjoy the night. With yeah, your you don't enjoy it because you're sitting there thinking, when are we getting the pizza? When are we getting the pizza? What kind of pizza are we getting? Are there enough slices for me? Like one of my thing was always this uh, irrational fear of there's not gonna be enough for me. On your confession of your fear of foods, I'm feeling a little daring. So. I'll share this with you. My fear food, which I still have not eaten for, um, I don't know how many years now is I'm going to swear a motherfucking cliff bar. (laughs) (laughs) That is amazing. That is amazing. You're like, I can't do it. We had them in the locker room all the time for volleyball and Literally a cliff bar. Like I remember being so triggered in diet culture because in the athlete world, they're like, oh, a cliff bar is like um it could be like a meal supplement or it could be like a like a full tie you over thing. And I was having cliff bars as snacks, as sides to my meals. I mean multiple. And then I remember one night I didn't have any good food to binge. And a cliff bar is not even that good. I didn't have any food to binge. I ate, I wanna say like five to six cliff bars in 20 minutes. And so it's not even that the food itself, I'm like worried about the calories or anything, which I think sometimes with fear foods, people are like, it's a lot of calories and it's hard for them to get over that. For me, it's just the cliff bar in itself brings up this haunting memory that just, I feel like my stomach replicates the feelings I had after eating them when I look at them. And actually speaking, speaking of you talking to Alex. So I told Max about my binge eating and I remember telling you about the cliff bars. And then I, has this ever happened to you where like you make a joke about your issues. So we were at a store or something and I like made a joke about cliff bars. So then like a week later we saw cliff bars again. And Max was like, I think he said something like, Ooh, should I hide the cliff bars? And I was like, and you're like, fuck you. Yeah. I was like, (laughs) not funny. Like it ended in tears. I was like, It's funny when I say it, but you can't make a bar joke.
1: (laughs) Yes. I'm like, I can be self-deprecating, but you cannot, sir. Like, (laughs) absolutely not. (laughs) No, it's so true. And I also think that's like a really, a reasonable fear food. Like if it's bringing up a really traumatic memory for you,
0: you don't need them in your life. Yeah, I, I, I feel you on that. I probably will never eat one again. And I think I can overcome it. Mentally and verbally, like I think this was a big step for me today with you. But I don't need to force myself to eat one because that just yeah. doesn't. Yeah, it's just is bad memes. <laughs> R I <Exactly>. P. <laughs> exactly. I love the way you talk. You're just hilarious. I mean, you just, oh just so I'm I'm curious. Like, what is your self talk like when you are triggered or when you wake up and you feel bloated or you have a bad body image day? Like walk me through what Kylie says to Kylie.
1: Yes. I had this, when I was going through therapy, I had this like moment where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so much cooler than my body. And I truly didn't feel that way my entire life. I like developed very young, like puberty wise. So all through school and stuff, like people would compliment me on my body. So this became a part of like my identity. And I think I didn't really get to like understand who I was a lot because of it. And going through this, I had to realize that like, this is a vessel. Like I will get old and I will not have the same body forever. And that's fine because it's not meant to be the coolest thing about me. And I had to like, really start to realize like what was good about me. And in that like self-love journey of being like, wait, I'm not just like this body type, but I'm I have quick wit. That's really fun. I really love art. I love painting. I love photography. I love that. Like, that's fun. I like, so I feel like I had to really lean hard into those. So that way, when I was having a bad day, I could be like, that's okay. Um, I'm a lot more than right than this. Like I'm a lot more than just this. And I also think that like a lot of my self-talk now too is the, the intuitive eating. like how will this make me feel um and really paying attention to that like right before we got on this i just had a true food delivery come with dark chocolate like raspberries and milk chocolate raspberries and i probably just ate like two handfuls but i didn't feel bad about it at all because i was like that sounds really good like i need that actually right now and i think also that is a part of my self-talk is being able to be like what do i feel right now does this sound really good? Yeah amazing. Do it. And then right after two handfuls, I was like, that was the perfect amount. Like I am good. That was amazing. And so that's also part of my self-talk is I feel like being able to listen to my body
0: and then reminding myself
1: that I'm also more than my body.
0: I love those two things. And I think they work hand in hand. And that's the perfect example because the old version of you would have been like, I cannot eat these. Like I'm not allowed to have these. And then she would have eaten more than she even wanted at night because it's a forbidden food or because it's going to be taken away. And whenever people come and they're like, I'm binging, I'm binging. How do I stop binging? I'm like, stop restricting. I'm like, I know it sounds scary, but if you, if you are restricting in any way, you know, you're going to, you're going to want to eat more than you need because you know, your body has this, thought that you'll never get it again. So I love that. You're like, I can have these whenever yeah. I want, as long as it feels good and it satisfies me. And so you did just that. And then it's like done. You don't have to think about it again. If you want more, you get more. Were you like an all or nothing girl? Because I was very much like, so with these chocolate
1: berries or whatever, first of all, they're chocolate berries, like not a big deal, but I I would definitely like the only would have been like, I either can have none of these or I have to eat the entire three packages they gave me. And like, there's no, like, I don't know why my brain would tell me that, but it would. So I'm curious if that ever happened to you.
0: I was definitely a little something and an all girl. So like, I guess okay. what I'm trying to say is for me to not eat, like genuinely go a day without eating, I couldn't. And I trust me, I wanted to, mm-hmm. like, I I looked up things. I was like, why can't I be a girl who you know, once again, how like anorexia is glamorized, like I really wanted to be able to, to not eat, but I just couldn't, like I needed at least, you know, a minimal amount of whatever. And I I won't get too specific, but I think I did like way below what I needed and I binge and with the binge, yeah, it was definitely like, you know, everything. I don't think I had like an acute sense of, I need to make sure this entire bag is empty, but it was like, actually i mean i say that now and it's like well why did i eat an entire package of cliff bars like i could have left one um so i don't know maybe maybe i was an an everything type person i'm i'm trying to think back i definitely think it was like i had a lot a bit of everything so like and it didn't even taste good you know it was like i'll make a quesadilla i'll have a bowl of cereal then i'll have these frozen this then i'll have a popsicle then i'm going to go eat the cliff bars then i'm going to go back to the cereal then i'm going to go to just cheese and i'm going to go ice cream i mean you look at the foods that i had in in a span together and they don't even work together. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It definitely was never for taste. Like you said, I would do anything
1: I could get my hands on if like the only option, unless it was a fruit or vegetable, I magically had the power to be like, not spinach.
0: You know why? Because you knew you could have spinach whenever you want. It wasn't like a quote unquote bad food. So much of the binge eating and emotional eating, I truly believe is mental. And when we villainize these foods as like, this is a food that I'm not allowed to have. And when I'm dieting, it's bad. We don't want it. But you know, you know, so so that element. Absolutely. Thing. Also, do you have this thing where like, I don't know if it's because it's traumatic, I like block it out. But even you asking me that question, I felt like I had to like really brain blast to the past because this current version of me just like keeps those memories deep down on lock. Like, I don't even like really. I have to think hard to remember. Does that happen to you? All the time. Like you've been talking about this
1: now when you asked me when I told Alex, you would think that would be engraved in my memory, like a very emotional thing. And I was like, I don't, I just told him. Like, I really don't remember. Also patterns of behavior, like in the deep, dark binge, I really don't remember a lot of it. I've definitely blacked out. I think it was embarrassment. And I think that our brains protect us from feeling embarrassed. And I think that, that embarrassment just protected me from feeling, like
0: remembering it really vividly. I know exactly what you mean. On the same note, I had a weird instance recently, and I just talked about it on my podcast where a doctor told me to like, you know, stop eating certain food groups and it like really triggered me and- Oh, wow. She basically was just like, be mindful about eating these things because your cholesterol is high, like whatever. And I was very caught off guard. I was very triggered. And I, that day started to get like, I almost want to call it spidey senses, but like my binge senses were tingling of like, when is all the food going to get taken away from me? I just got new reels placed on me. So I got to eat them all. And I was like, what is happening to me? Because it had been such, such a long time since that, that voice or that like, like reckless, you know, drive, pull to devour food had been inside my body because it had been like two years. So that's also weird for me as I'm like, whoa, I remember this feeling because when you develop a healthy relationship with food, I think the beauty is you do start to forget your old toxic ways. You totally do.
1: And you start to enjoy. I missed food so much. Like I, wouldn't eat certain things because of my fear of food. And I missed him. I missed him so bad. Like hilarious to me that I would just be like eliminate completely. But then, yeah, you like remember and you're like, oh, yeah, this was awesome. I'm so sorry that happened to you, though. I know I would have been the same way if someone was like, hey, you need to eliminate this.
0: I'd be like, why? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I can have a little bit, though,
1: right? Like, why? Why?
0: Yeah, Yeah, definitely. I just needed like a week to get over it and be like, okay, I I went to extremes in my head. It wasn't that serious. I'm sure you deal with this too when like someone comments something or sends you a message. And you know, you have to like, you're like, well, I didn't want to have to pull out my toolbox today and climb this mountain, but I'm strong as hell and I'll do it because I'm not going to let you stomp on me. Yep. Hearing all of this has literally made my day in a weird way because I relate to everything you've said. I feel like we're on such similar wavelengths. And I'm thinking of the people listening to this who are going to be like, yes, 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 yes. Who haven't heard this said anywhere else. So love you for that. And also I've been dying to know some of your coping strategies, like some of the more positive things you do now on a daily basis to kind of protect your energy And where you're at now with a healthy relationship with food, I loved how you said, you know, you let friends choose pictures so that you can't be super focused on your appearance. But honestly, like balancing your recovery and your healing with the content you create, obviously you you have to have some some tips. So if you're open to share, I'd love to know.
1: (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Um, Intuitive eating, intuitive eating. I can preach it back and forth. It is the only thing that works. I will put my life on it. Um, It is the only thing that works because I truly believe canceling an entire food group just isn't right for anyone. It doesn't mean you need to always eat that food group, but canceling it is not the path. And it took me a while to figure that out, but it works. It works so well and it's so freeing and so good. It kind of reminds me of being like a kid again, where I'm like, if it sounds good, I'm going to just eat it. Like it, it's kind of awesome. Like, I don't know why we don't do this. And I've also been at the same weight now for two years. I used to fluctuate like crazy. And now I like, don't even think about my weight. I actually don't know what I weigh, but I know that I fit in the same clothes for the last two years, pretty consistently. And I will eat whatever the freak I want. And I'm not saying that's the same for everyone, but I think not thinking about it somehow just made my body find like homeostasis. And it also was really good to know, again, personally, that I can eat pizza. And then the next day, I'm not going to look any different. Just like eating a salad is not going to make me magically look different. Like, it's really crazy to think that, you know, changing up your diet a little bit, spicing things up, trying new things will like catapult in this like crazy, I'm a new Human being, because it just doesn't, and that has really helped me too. Being like, if I want to eat this right now, do it, because it really just doesn't matter that much. And yes, of course, weight will fluctuate. That doesn't mean like I'm going to be the same size forever. But it is just interesting seeing that I used to really struggle with like fitting in clothes, not fitting in clothes, fitting in clothes, not fitting. And now I just don't even worry about it because I know that my body will tell me what it needs. It will tell me when it's full, and it will tell me what I'm craving. And it's all good. Like, it's just really not as big of a deal as I made it for so long. And another thing that helps me is just enjoying things that I enjoy aesthetically, but also really enjoying things that I enjoy not aesthetically. Like, skincare is healing to me. Like, there is something to sensory therapy. Doing a hot shower and a face mask, I'm reborn. And that's also kind of an aesthetic thing. Like I'm taking care of the way I look. Like it might feel that way to some people, but for me, that is very therapeutic and it also makes me feel awesome and beautiful. But then I'll also go on a long walk with Alex and get sweaty and gross and I love it. So I think focusing on things that are about beauty and also not about beauty uh, is helpful. And just figuring out things that make you awesome that aren't the way you look, because the way you look is the least interesting thing about you. My body is the least interesting thing about me. Like there are so many cooler things. And I think focusing on that is super healthy and definitely a way that I feel like I've gotten to where I am today.
0: All of those are amazing. And I especially want to highlight that last point because people have a tendency of disconnecting from their body. It's this weird thing where people act like their body's just an accessory. Honestly, people feel like their body is an accessory. They're like, I want to change this. I want to do that. I want to think I want this different. It's like, it's like they imagine their head and then this body as if it's replaceable. But I really think it's healthy to get in tune with your fingers and your toes. If you have that, if not just your, your heart beating in your chest and realizing you're all connected and it all works together. And it's a beautiful thing that's happening internally for you to live a beautiful life as opposed to, you know, this like mix and match, my body is is supposed to be, you know, the most important thing. And I always say that as well. You know, I don't prioritize my appearance. It's just not the top of my list anymore. And that's a very freeing thing yeah. as well for just living life, you know, like it's great. And, and it does take time. And, and I it's know a balancing you, act,
1: you know, because yeah. I would be crazy
0: if I said like,
1: I don't care at all. Like there's a reason I dye my hair. There's a reason I enjoy makeup. I like to to look pretty. That is, I think, something that we can never just eliminate. But there is a balance that's really difficult to find when we over-prioritize being pretty. Like, there is nothing wrong. If you want to get lip filler, girl, do it. That's awesome. Do it. But when that becomes more important than, like, how you treated someone that day or the connections you were making, like, that's when it's problematic. And... I think it's always, it's a tricky balance that we're given because I think it's so impossible for us to eliminate it. Do you ever feel that way?
0: Yeah. I know exactly what you're saying. And I feel that the way I've been able to kind of cope with that, obviously I love curling my hair and I love putting on makeup in a cute outfit as well is I can appreciate myself this way. And I can appreciate myself when I don't have all these things and I'm not dressed up. Whereas like I used to hate myself that way and think I was less than that way. And so I think it's finding the value and the worth in yourself at all times, regardless of what the scale says, regardless of what the mirror looks like. Of course, you can enjoy makeup. And if you want to get filler, you know, whatever makes you happiest. But for me, if I say I can't live without those things, that's where my issues start coming back up. That's a really good way to
1: measure that, like to see if that's now becoming problematic. Like, whoa, do I feel like I can't go out now without makeup? Like, does that have to, you know, is that something that's like restraining me from doing things? That's like a good way to to gauge like a healthy level of feeling like doing something to change your appearance, making you feel beautiful. Because at the end of the day, like appearance doesn't make you beautiful. We learn this with age, but, um that's like a healthy balance. Cause I think it's also hard to be like, you don't need it at all. You need nothing because who doesn't love a good haircut. Right? right. And,
0: and you know what else we can add to this is it's all about what you feel. So if you can also get the control and the validation to come from you yourself and not others. So if you're someone who's like, I want to wear makeup every day, or I don't want to wear makeup every day, but it's completely because that's what you want. I am the biggest fan. If it's what you want, I'm the biggest fan. If there's, you know, an element of they won't accept me or I'm more liked this way, or they're going to make fun of me, then that's where I think also you need to like backtrack and, and figure it out because that external validation, your cup will never be filled by others ever. I mean, every, every day there's a new person who's the prettiest. There's a new person who's the most famous. I mean, this idea that we're going to one day be anointed the most beautiful. I mean, it just doesn't exist. And so, you know, realizing that and then being the one to control it. I'm so proud of our growth. I am too. Also, that was like the
1: most i have just listening to you and in like infinite wisdom
0: because
1: it's so true. <laughs> the day that you can like let go of like, I need them to like
0: me. We were talking about that the other day because I I posted something and said, not everyone has to like and accept you. And you responded and were like, needed this girl. (laughs) Oh, I struggle big time with
1: that to this day. I struggle with that. Uh, Not so much anymore about my looks. I'm like, if you don't like the way I look, I don't care. But if someone doesn't want to like me, truly I get wrecked. And it's something I've had to work through because I'm like, guess what? a lot of people won't like you, but also you don't like certain people. So it's not really that big of a deal,
0: but it totally,
1: it, it still is something that I'm like, why didn't the guy at the gas station tell me I was the best person he's ever met? I'm <laughs> offended right now. Like I, I have, I struggle, but I'm, I'm working through it. But yeah, that is like really tough. And of course I pick social media as my job. So
0: <laughs> here we are. Love it. I, I relate. I don't but think we're I'm working through it. Yeah, I I can feel your pain. The one thing that my therapist said that helped me was the classic: "Do you like everyone?" To which I said no, and she said, "You know, then why should everyone like you?" And I was like, "Ah, yeah, this is why I pay you to theoretically, metaphorically slap me across the face." <laughs> I was listening to
1: uh, music with Alex the other night, and it was a uh, Do you know Casey Musgraves? Yeah, I'm gonna butcher the lyric. So please look this up. Like, don't take my word for it. But it was something about how, like, you're not everyone's cup of tea. And she explained, like, all these different types of tea. And it's, like, some people hate black tea. Some people love it. Some people like sweet tea. Some people hate it. Like, but at the end of the day, like, you're just not going to be for everyone. So same analogy. But I don't know why. I, like, paused the music and turned to Alex. And I was, like, I'm not going to be everyone's cup of tea. I'm not. And he was, like, okay. And I
0: was, like, But I'm going to be so I'm yours. You love me. I love that it comes back to food. That's so true. I mean, there's people that don't like pizza. What? Talk about pizza. There's people that don't like it. I mean, and that has nothing. That's why I'm like the Cliff Bar
1: thing's fine. Just one brand. Yeah. we got plenty of other bars, baby.
0: Exactly, exactly. That's funny. Oh my God, what a full circle moment. Not everyone likes every type of food. Not everyone's going to like you. Peace and love. Bye, guys. Not everyone's (laughs) going to like you. And that's okay. I also saw this quote, which we can leave it here. This is iconic. It's like, not everyone's going to think I'm funny and pretty. And that's okay. They're wrong, though.
1: Absolutely, they are. Yes. But I love that energy because it's like, if you think you're the funniest and prettiest person in the world, baby girl, you are. Like,
0: who cares?
1: Because the more I've been able to be like, okay, with the way I look, I'm like, if someone were to comment something rude about the way I look, I would actually laugh. And, and I mean this like very genuinely, I'd be like, okay, because I'm very okay now with the way I am. Whereas like, if someone were to tell me
0: I spelled something
1: wrong for some reason triggering, I'm like, I know I have dyslexia. Okay. Don't come at me. haven't worked through that one yet.
0: Come over to my IG. I, I spell things wrong every story. It's kind of become a joke now. I just I don't have the time to double check. Um. <laughs> Truly, me neither. And I will ask for
1: recommendations. I'll be like, guys, I'm really I need a recommendation for this. And the only thing I'll get in my question box is like, like asterisks with the correct like wording. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like you bitches know what to expect now, okay? It's all gonna be wrong. <laughs> but I I really think that like yeah, it really comes from within because I've seen it in myself that once I can be like yeah, I'm good there then it doesn't matter.
0: Obsessed, officially obsessed. I was obsessed with you pre our real human meeting, even more. So now you are the best Kylie. Thank you so much for everything you shared today. I'm so grateful that you trust me with this conversation and trust real pod. So not taken lightly. And I just really, really appreciate you. So thank you. Oh, I appreciate you so much.
1: Thank you for all you have done for me even before I reached out, you have helped me more than you know. And I, I feel the same way about you. I love you even more now.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Real Pod. If this hit home or helped you in some way, send it to a friend, a teammate, roomie, share the love, share the realness. New episodes of Real Pod come out every single Wednesday. So make sure you are subscribed to this podcast so you never miss an episode. To leave a rating or a review of the show, head to iTunes and let me know what you think. I love hearing from you. Not to mention, you can stay connected with RealPod throughout the week, seeing behind-the-scenes info and sneak previews of upcoming guests by following the at RealPod account on Instagram. All information about today's show and guests will be linked in the description of this episode. Thanks again for listening. I love you guys so, so much. Let's go dominate the day. And as always, keep it real.